Okay, we are doing Kuf Ches, beginning from Kuf Ches Amar Aleph, uh, near the top of the Gemara, uh, but the two dots where the Gemara says Chayef Oaf. So we learned uh, in yesterday's daf all about the question of the Shratzim having hides. And uh, the reason we're learning about it is because making a Chabur, making a wound, so even if no blood comes out, it's considered that it's an irreversible wound as long as there's a bruise, because we assume that the blood is just trapped under the hide. But we only say that by thick Hides like the Shwana Shratzim, not by other ones. And now the Gemara moves on to other birds, to birds to figure out what they're, what, whether or not they have a hide. So Amar Funa or Shaltar. You could write Tefillin on the hide of a kosher bird. It has to be a kosher bird. We're going to see that even if it is a hide, Tefillin can only be written on kosher, on kosher animals. And um, from it has to be a kosher one, but it has to be written also on a hide. So the question is, is for the skin of a bird, is it considered a hide? Is it considered R? Or is it just considered thin skin that's treated like meat? So which one is it? So Rafuna is telling us that, the, that that it is treated like a hide. As long as it's a kosher bird, you can write to fill in on the hide, on its hide. Omar, if you say, what's the novelty of Rafuna today? Like, the novelty is, but don't say it's just considered skin that's flesh-like, but rather that's considered thick enough to be like a hide. Tanina, we learned that in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says, our Mishnah says that somebody makes a bruise on a, a wild animal or a bird is liable. Now, why is he making a bruise? Or the blood didn't, why is there an irreversible wound? It must be because we're assuming the blood is trapped under the hide. Unlike other random shratzim where we say you're not hive until the blood actually comes out, here we say that we, the, the blood is, is, is viewed as being removed as soon as it's trapped under the, thin, the, the skin because it has a thick enough skin. So if we say there's a chiyah for making a bruise, Clearly, we're assuming that it has skin. So, so what's the novelty of Ravuna? So the more answers on Levi, Tuba Kamashma is telling us, I mean, if I just knew the mission, I would say, since it's got little holes, the hide's got like, it's like stuck, all the feathers come out. So it's got like little holes in the hide. Yes, it's a hide, but the bottom line is maybe it's not kosher for its filling because it has these little holes. And we're going to say, right, it says, it has to be beautiful writing where there can't be any breaks, any 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 little holes in the, in, the, in the writing. So I would say that the holes that are pulled by the feathers are not good and make it not kosher for its filling, even though it is a hide. Kamash, I wonder if one therefore tells us, because I remember, but it's like they say in love any hole which is small enough that the ink passes right over it, meaning it's so small that it, the, the ink doesn't sink in, ain't no neck. If it's not a hole, that would make it not kosher for its filling. So we have this dinner of that the writing of the tefillin has to be complete. It can't have any breaks in it. And we're saying that the holes in, in the hide can make a problem, but the novelty of Rafuna is that the little holes in the in the in the hide of a bird that come from the feathers do not present a problem because the ink will just go right over it. Says so says the Gemara Mask of Zero Zero now is a kasha. Is it really true that the hide of a of a bird is considered hide and not like skin? But by a carbon ola, a ola can come as a bird. Now by a carbon Ola comes from an animal. The Torah is very mocked that you take, even though an ola is fully burned, but you take off the skin first. The, the skin has no place on the mizbech. So when it comes to the bird, the Torah says, that it can be burned together with its feathers. There's nothing wrong with burning its feathers with it. So it sounds like that there, there are still, there, that, that there, are, there, there are some feathers on the bird and we're burning it. The Torah is coming to say that the skin can be burned on his back with the basar. Now, if you're right, that it's really considered hide and not, and not flesh, how could the Pasuk include it? Meaning we're assuming Hashem wouldn't have said that. It doesn't make sense that there should be exeris akasov, that the hide could be burned from the carbon ola to ola, could be burned on the mizbeach, if the hide is treated like something thick, like something distinct from the basar. So just like we see by an animal, uh, when it's brought as a carbon, that the hide is not burned on the mizbeach, we think by a bird as well. So the answer is, Amalei Arhu, no really it is hide for Achmona Rabye. It's just exeris akasov. Hashem, made, Hashem said it's included. It's not necessarily logical. Usually we say the hide doesn't go on the mizbeach, it's exeris akasov, that even though it's from a, even though it is a hide, but the hide of a bird, in fact, 
um, is could 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 be burned on the mizbeach. There are those who say that it's different. We're going to bring a rise to Rafuna from the rise. We say that the pasuk says you bring it with its feathers. It comes to include the skin that what that the birds, the skin from the carbon olas burned of the bird is burned on the mizbeach. So yeah, if you say it's considered skin, so it's good. That's why you need a pasuk to include it because you would have said that um, it's, it shouldn't be included because it's a hide. And that's why we have to need a Xerosakasav. Eli'i Amr Lavaru, who you say to begin with, it's not considered high. To begin with, it's just considered regular meat. Amai Sarkal Rabui, why would the Pasuk need to include it? You don't need Hashem to tell you that all the meat should be burned. So if Hashem is telling you burn the hide, must be that it is considered a hide. And Afal Pekin, that's why Hashem is saying, you, that's why Hashem needs to say to burn it. But for Tfilin, since it's a hide, it would be kosher to write. So it says, I'm let it buy. No, it's not a proof. Or maybe it's not a skin. But it's just, you want to know why it's a novelty that you can burn it on the Mizbech, even though it's not, it's not a distinct entity of a hide, it's really just meat. Because Sakhla Khamenei, you might think to say, Kivin, they see Pirti Pirti, since it has full of these little holes and maws, it's something that's gross to go on the Mizbech. So even if it's technically not a hide, even if it's technically like a meat, but I would say it's, it's, it's considered something gross, it's gross item to go on the Mizbech. And Mashmala Pasuk therefore tells us that he does go on to the Mizbech. So the Gemara is back and forth on this, but we definitely at least defended Rafuna's position that the hide, that the hide of the, um, the, the hide of the, of the bird is considered in fact a, a hide and you can write to fill in, you can write to fill in on it. Says the Gemara, What's the halacha by writing fill in on the skins of kosher fish? So now the Gemara wants to know, in other words, is the fish, the skin of the fish, considered a hide or not? So Amalei said, We're not going to know, we'll know if Elio comes and tells us. Says the Gemara, What does that mean? Like, obviously, he's not going to be able to tell us, right? Rashi says, even if Elio would come, the halacha is not, we wouldn't listen to him. Like, that's the whole point. Like, Elio is not here. The Torah is in our world. So what does it mean if Elio will come? Gemara says, Gemara says, It means we're not sure if it has a hide, meaning we're not, we're, we have like a suffix, whether or not this skin is considered hide. Because we see that it does have a hide. It's a thick, distinct entity. There's no question that the fish skin should be considered, should be considered a hide. But furthermore, I will show you that it's considered a hide and not like flesh. We learned in the Mishnah in regard to contracting The bones of a fish and the skin save things from the and all mates. What's the rule for all mates? Anything that's directly under the same tent the same um, ohel as a dead body automatically gets tumma. But if there's something that's separating between it and the and the and the top of the tent, then it doesn't. Some, that something has to be something that's impervious to tumma. So if it would be flesh that contracts tumma, it wouldn't separate. But if it's here, we're saying bones of a fish or its skin, it would separate. So what's the pshad? It must be that the the hide of the skin does not contract tumma. Why would it not contract tumma? The meat of a fish there certainly is. Must be that the hide is considered like a separate, distinct entity, and therefore pushes away tumma. It's not makabal So we see clearly that that a fish, a skin, is considered to hide something separate. So what do we mean? That what are we not sure about? We're not sure if if there's this bad smell that stops from the um, from the hide of the fish or not. So what what in the world is this talking about? It's very interesting. Is this a literal thing? Is it like smells so bad that it's like just gross to use to for its fillin and, and it's just like a bizoy mitzvah? Or does the Gemara mean like a, a zuama? Other times we find we're going to see this later in the Sechta that there was actually uh, like a spiritual uh, like contamination that happened post the sin and we're not sure if the, the, the fish will have this, this spiritual contamination. We'll see maybe about this later in the Masechta. Some of you shouldn't learn that's what the Gemara means. Either way, there's something specific to the hide of a fish, which is not in the literal sense, is it a hide? It certainly is a hide. 
But the question is whether or not there's this zuama, this bad stench or literal or, phys- or spiritual that still um, is on it that makes it you can't use it for tefillin. So the Gemara has concluded that according to Rav Huna, the, the, the skin of the bird is good, but the fish we are unsure about. Says the Gemara story, Shmuel and Karna were once sitting on the bank, the river banks of the big river. What's the King River here we're talking about? So it's the Euphrates River. It's called the Euphrates River because it's a huge, massive river. They saw the water was going up, was, was very much higher, and it was gross water. It must be a great person who's come from Maritza. And he has like these horrible stomach problems and the trip. The water is, is, is going up in order to, to greet him. What does that mean? There was no, just judging from the weather, there was no reason why the, why the wave should be so high. So high. So Shmuel was saying it must be that there's a knee. Someone's coming on a boat and he has to go to the bathroom. And in order to protect him, like to give him modesty so that the water is rising and protecting him. So that's a fascinating thing that they're observing this in the water. And they're saying a great man is coming here to Baba. So, um, so, so, let's go smell, smell the jug, like wine you smell to see if it's good wine. So we're saying, let's go examine if this guy really knows his stuff. Is he really such a bitam or not? So, who was the person? Rav. This is how Rav came to Baba. Karna went out to greet, um, to greet Rav. That's the person coming. So, Amalei says, He asked him the following question. How do you know, it's filling up to bring on high, but how do you know it has to come from a kosher animal? Amalei, Rav said, it says in the parasha, the man, tia, taras, Hashem, b'ficha, the Torah of Hashem will be, in your mouth. So what does it mean? Obviously, you don't eat your tefillin. What does that mean? It's coming to say that it can only be used with something that's mutter in your mouth, only from a species of animal that can be kosher. The animal only from something that can be eaten can use for tefillin. That was what Rob answered him. Then Karna asked him more questions. How do we know that Dom is red? Here we're talking about, you know, the big nafkaminas for Nida. So what specifically is the shade um, is the shade? How do we know it's only a red color discharge that makes her tamishin? It says, It saw the water from afar that it looked red like blood. So we see that the reference that the dam is associated with the color red, and therefore only the shade of red contaminates a woman. How do we know that prismila is done on that place? That place, you know, as the Torah just says, Arla. What does Arla mean? Arla means something that's black, like a, like a, a something blocking. So how do you know that it means? That it means that that it means the place that we know you do brismila. How do we know it's there? So Rav says, Demarkan our loss. It says our loss. Another also also says by the fruit trees, our loss. Right, the first three years are our loss. We see that same term of our loss. So why the same idea? Malo and davish was a peri. It's just something that makes fruit. Kanda which was a peri. So too by circumcision, we're talking about something that makes fruit. So that obviously. The reproductive organ says the Gemara. How do you know? Maybe circumcised actually circumcision is that we cut the heart. Seems like a very strange half meaning that we would cut the heart. We see the usage of the word arla there. It says we should cut away the blockage of your heart. Or maybe it's the ear. The ear is blocked. So we see the term arla by other body parts. Like Rav said, we look at arla, so it's used as something, a complete. A complete usage of speech. May Allah subhanahu from another place. May don't Allah subhanahu wa Allah subhanahu wa from from something that's not complete. So the word it makes more sense to compare it to to a place where it's where it's totally complete. Like in that case, it's arla lavavim or arla aznam. It's not a full entity unto itself. Whereas here, it's the arla. And by um, by the davar shavasaperi by the fruit tree again it's arla it's it's it's, it's full it's its full expression so it makes sense to compare two full expressions to each other and not where arla is being used as a description of something else. Amalei mashmach so 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 Rav said to him he said what's your name so Karna says back Karna my name is Karna Amalei says to him yeah Rav it should be the will of Shemaim the typically Karna ve'ene a horn should come out of your eye so in other words Rav is understanding that. Um, 
that 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 Rob, Rob realized that he was being tested, and we're going to see. Rob really needed to go to the bathroom. He was very upset that he was being um, he was being he was being he was being delayed, and he didn't he didn't appreciate it. So he gives him this curse that his eyes shouldn't work well. Um, okay. So then eventually Shmuel took Rav into his house and he hosted him. And he feeds him barley bread, different types of this fish, fish dish with flour mixed in of ashke, shikra, and beer. But he didn't show him in the bathroom. Why? He wanted um, he wanted to, to, to have to have some diarrhea. In other words, he wanted to make sure that all the food inside would 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 would, would start dissolving inside. And he felt Shmuel was a doctor. He was trying to cure Rav's problem. Rav had a problem with his stomach. Shmuel was trying to cure him. However, Rav didn't appreciate it. Lie at Rav. Rav cursed him. And he said, whoever's making me suffer, look me a little beneath. You won't have any sons who are going to survive. That's what it was. Shmuel only had daughters. We always find out the daughters of Shmuel in the Gemara. But we never find about Shmuel's sons. You know why? Because Shmuel had no sons. Why didn't Shmuel have sons? Because he's cursed by Rav here in the, this original story. This is how Rav and Shmuel meet. Says the Gemara, now we really see Kitanai. This thing about knowing where Mila comes from, that it says, Arla, Arla, is really Machlok Kitanai. Because we learned in a bride, we're not in the chosen Makam. How do you know circumcision is done the reproductive organ? Never alone also, because it says the word Allah. Never alone also, it says, by the fruit tree, Arla, Samalan, Davashos Apri. Just there, it says, Davashos Apri. Akan Davashos Apri. So to hear, by circumcision, is something that makes fruit. Divrei, Rabboshi, that's Rabboshi. If Nasser, number of Nasser, says, Ainot Sarech, that you don't need that Xer Shavah. Rei Omer, it says, Faral Zachar Shalimos Pesar Alaso. So it says, Arl Zachar. So it's clearly on something, something that's discernible between the male and the female. So what body part makes a male distinct? Obviously, it's the reproductive organ. So therefore, it's, it's clear just from that that it's done on reproductive organ and not in any of the, on the other places of the body. Continues the Gemara, You write, fill in on the hides of a kosher animal, or it's a kosher wild animal, even if it died, through being an available trefa. So even though you can't actually eat it, meaning if the cow dropped dead, it didn't have a shechita, or if it was shafted, but it was a trefa, there was some defect in it, it had a puncture in the hole, and then it's lung or something like that that makes it not able to eat. Still, since it's a kosher species, you're allowed, you're allowed to make tefillin from it. But echrochazar and tefillin have to be wrapped in their own hair. So, They'd be wrapped in with a kosher hair before they were put into the boxes. That's Allah Mushmisina. We're gonna see even as far as we get and they have to be sewn with the sinews of a kosher animal. The boxes, Allah Mushmisina, those two things, Allah Mushmisina, Shatzil Sahabasar, and as far as we get that they have to be wrapped in their own hair and sewn with the, with kosher sinews. Avil says the price of Inkos and Logavi or Behemoth's man, you're not allowed to write with the hide of a non-kosher animal, Vlogavi or Khaitima, or on the hide of a non-kosher animal. Vain Sarchlomar of a non-kosher wild animal. Vain Sarchlomar Gavi or an available shape of them. And certainly you can't write on a hide that comes from an avela or a trefa of a non-kosher animal. Certainly that's not that's not okay. You can't use the hair from a non-kosher animal to wrap them. You can't sew them with the sinews from a non-kosher animal. And the following question was once asked from one of the Basusim to Rabbi Yeshua Garci. How do you know you can't write tefillin from a, on an animal from a hide of an animal that's not kosher? Something that's going to be Drop dead, struck down by lightning. It's an available tray fall. You can't eat that cow. So very nice. It is a cow, but 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 and it is a kosher species. But practically, it's not kosher. It's an available tray fall. So Rabbi Yishua said, "I'm a low emshel chomashal." Let me give you an analogy. To what can we compare this? Let's say two people are are, are, are get a, a death sentence. 
One is executed by the king. One was killed by the executioner. Which of them is higher? The one that the king himself killed. The one that the king killed obviously was more was more important, was more of a prominent person that the execution meant more. So that's why the king dealt with it personally as opposed to giving it off to the executioner. So too, if the animal dies because it was struck by lightning, if Hashem killed it, so that, that's an Avela. Or if Hashem made it sick, Hashem gave it to Trefa. So, that's a higher level that it was killed by Hashem, or something that was randomly shafted by a person that was killed through through the executioner, so it's not on the high level. So therefore, it makes sense that what type of cow is on a higher level? The one that was killed by Hashem or the one that was killed by us? The one that was killed by Hashem is higher. So therefore, you could use an Avela. Now, we shouldn't point out that obviously this Gemara is not exact because you could have a case in a Velo Trefer that comes about through Shrita. Let's say you're doing a Shrita and you shaft in the wrong place. And what's the din? It's an Avela. Right? It wasn't killed by Hashem, it was killed by a person, but it's still an Avela. But the point that we're trying to bring out, Tosus explains, is just simply that if the Torah said, mutar we understand it not to mean that it practically has to be mutar. We just understand that mutar b'ficha means the species of the types of animals that can be eaten. And we don't say now it depends whether practically or not you can eat it. If something went wrong in the Shrita or not, we're still going to say that you can eat it. But drop by letting. The bottom line is it's a cow. And the Gemara is just bringing out the point. So the Gemara says, if it's really so true that it's superior to be killed by Hashem than killed by Hashkita, we should be allowed to eat Nevelos and Trefas. We should say that's far. It's more of a Chaj animal and we should be allowed, we should be allowed to eat a Nevelos. So Rabbi Leib, Rabbi Yeshua said, Hashem said, don't eat it. And you're saying you should eat it. Meaning again, we're not saying that, you know, an Avela has to be kosher. What we're saying is there's a svara that there's some chashivas in the fact that it was killed by Hashem as opposed to get killed by a person, by a shkita. And therefore, it, it's, it, it's understandable that Manamot Rafiqa doesn't exclude an Avela Trevo, it just excludes a non-kosher animal. Amalei, Kalos, you said good. So it's a fascinating exchange here. Uh, to understand. But the bottom line is, as long as it's a kosher species, you can write filling on it, even if it's an Avela or Trefa, you're still allowed to. It doesn't depend whether practically can be eaten, but it depends whether it comes from a species that is kosher or not. So now we learn about the next mission, which is an Isra Durabanan of making salt water. So let's just understand a little bit. One of those malacha. Um, there's a malacha of, of tanning and salting, which is when you're, you're, you, 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 you change the hide and you, you ready it for the production um, and then you do, in the way you do that, right, it starts off very soft. So you want to harden it by, 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 by uh, tanning it. So because of that, we're going to see there's an objection that Chazal made to making salt water because what happens is it looks like you're going to preserve food, like you're making preparations for after shops. So we're going to see you're not supposed to do that. You even forget about actually pickling the food and preserving the food. Not only is that not allowed to be done on the Shabbos, which resembles so much like this tanning and pre- preparing for after Shabbos, but even making heavy salt water, it's a fascinating answer to Rabbanon. Even making very heavy salt water is forbidden on the Shabbos because it looks like you're doing it in order to preserve the food. So ain't Osin on the Shabbos. That's a mission you can't make a brine on the Shabbos. But you could make salt water. So obviously those two lines are, are, are a contradiction one to the next, right? The brine and salt water are the same thing. So what is it saying? Could I or can't I? It's only bito, but you, and you could dip your bread in it. But or addict to cook food. So again, we have to see. Could I or can't I? Whether it's brine, whether it's a lot or a little, it's always still brine. So, so the Gemara is going to again explain what Rabbi Yossi is saying. Is he saying it's always mutter, always atzer? We'll see in the Gemara. So this is the only way to make salt water on Shabbos. First, you add oil to the water or to the salt of Zohar and only then do you mix the water and the salt. Because if the oil is there before the water and the salt mix, it will not be as strong. It weakens it, whereas if you uh, if you mix the oil, if you mix the water and the salt together at any point without the oil, then it looks it could resemble like the tanning. 
It's something that, that you do for, to be preserves, to make preservatives, and therefore it is awesome. So now the Gemara examines. What in the world is going on? My Kamar, first we say that you can't make brine, and then we say you can make salt water. So could I or can't I? They're the same thing. So You can't make it if it's a lot. You can't make a very large quantity of salt water. You could do it if it's just a small amount. A large quantity that looks like you're making the preserved food for after Shabbos that you're not allowed. But to make a small amount, which is clearly to use on Shabbos to dip bread and, and put into food, that's okay. So it's only a lot which is not allowed, but a small amount is in fact allowed because that's clearly going to be used with the food on Shabbos that's not going to be preserving food. Then Rabbi Yossi said a little bit is what's the difference between big or small? So what's Rabbi Yossi coming to say? Rabbi Yossi will ask her Lazar. Is he coming to say that both are Osir? Even if it's a little bit, it's Osir. Is he coming to be Ma? Or even if it's a lot. I'm coming to be a matter, even if it's a lot. I mean, the doesn't make the point, it's also. He just says, what's the distinction between a lot or a little? So the Gemara is assuming that if, in fact, Rabiosi, Rabiosi, Rabiosi held that both were also, then he would have made the point that it's also. So if he didn't make the point that it's also, it must be that he's really saying both are mutter. Even a lot is mutter. He's leaning. Amalei Rabbah, Hamiktani Seva, look at the end of the mission. It says, Eilu and Mechmatar. And then Rabbi Yossi starts saying, oh, what's the difference between a lot or a little? Rather, this is the only way that you're able to do it. And he says, you mix in oil. Called Rabbi Yossi Lesser. Clearly, Rabbi Yossi was ossering it. And he was saying, the only way you're allowed to do it is if you mix in oil. So, Alamar Rabbah Lesser, Rabbi Yossi was coming to ossering. Rabbi Yossi was even making a little bit. You're going to eat his ossering. The only way it can be done, according to Rabbi Yossi, is if you mix in some oil, uh, some oil before you mix in the salt. You can't make a lot of salt water. To put in uh, pickling vegetables that are in like a messed up cleat. That's just they used to use it for pickling. And you could make a small amount of, of salt water. Eat your bread with it. Put it into the food. Because of what just one's a lot and one's a little. And this one's also. And this one's mutter. You know what people are going to say? That if you do something with large quantity, but as long as I do a malach in a small quantity, it's mutter. That's the impression people are going to have. You know, what are you going to say? What's the difference? What, what, what are you going to say? What's the halacha? We're asking you can make a little salt water, not a lot of salt water. People are going to take away that uh, you're allowed to do a little bit of malach on Shabbos, which is totally not the truth. So rather, both of them are Osir. This is the reason why I brought the Brisa, because it, it, it emphasizes the point that Rabbi Yossi Osir is both. The only way to do it, the only way to make salt water is mutter, according to Rabbi Yossi, first you add the oil to, to, to salt, or oil to the water, as long as you don't first add the salt to the water. That is Rabbi Yossi's, Rabbi Yossi's opinion of how you can do it. Okay, continues the Gemara. Tani Rabbi his Brisa said, You can't make very strong salt water on the Shabbos. And again, because we didn't really say, you know, obviously it doesn't mean sprinkling a little bit. Obviously it has to be like a, a, like a pretty dense amount of salt. But how much salt? What do we mean? How do we define very strong salt water? It's dense, so dense that an egg would float inside. There's so much salt that it's denser than an egg. The comma, how much salt is that on Rabbi? It's two thirds salt, and one third water. Why would a person ever do that? What would he use it for? For fish brine. They would use it for pickling fish. So that is the, 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 the proportion here that we're asking. So that's a very, very, very thick type of salt water. That's why it's prohibited, again, because it looks like you're going to make preservatives and you're going to preserve food in it. And Tanakama is offering it only if it's a lot, but a little is mutter. And Rabbi Yossi is offering it even a little bit. 
Tani says Engmar another bride saw Tani Rabbi Yudah Barchaviva in Molchin Snonu Beit Sabbath Shabbos. It's forbidden to salt a radish or an egg on the Shabbos. So now we learn a different thing. Not from making salt water, but salting a food. So this is very important. This is a dindarabonon, presumably because it resembles tanning. Uh, it resembles tanning. The same way tanning, preserving a, a hot is also. So pouring salt onto vegetables that we're saying, like a radish or an egg, is also a fascinating thing. Rashi mentions in the beginning three or four pieces together. It like makes them hard. Um, and we'll see why Rashi is talking about a few pieces. Rashi says three or four together. It is forbidden to do such a thing on Shabbos. You can't solve them on Shabbos. Says the No, a radish is usher, but an egg is mutter. Why? Because it has to be something that gets better by salting it. So it doesn't apply to eggs because we're saying that eggs don't get better when you salt them. I used to say, I, I used to salt radishes on Shabbos. I mean, absolutely, I've seen the radishes get, they get spoiled when you, when you salt them. When I used to say a sharp radish is very good. So not, you don't want to salt them. But then I heard what Ula said, in the West, in Eretz Yisrael, they're salting tons and tons of radishes. I wouldn't sprinkle salt on them on Shabbos, but I would dip them into, into salt. So you wouldn't sprinkle salt here, Rashi says, the number's a little bit different, on, on, one, on, on two or more radishes together, but he would dip them one at a time. What's the idea? What in the world is the difference? So in other words, the distinction isn't between dipping versus sprinkling. That's not the difference. Dipping means that you're doing one at a time. And that is mutter. If you're doing one at a time is mutter. Whereas if you're doing a few at a time, Clear if it's two or three, it looks like a contradiction in Rashi. That's also what's the idea? Because if I'm doing it as a part of my eating, that's okay, that doesn't resemble tanning. So if I'm like I'm dipping, that's the idea, it's like one at a time. That's clearly just in the process of eating, that's fine. But if I'm going to salt a few, a few together, that will in fact be also midrabonon because it resembles tanning. And usually, tanning obviously is by highs, but midrabonon we're saying is true for hardening other even foods as well. Midrabonon, you're not supposed to do a few. Um, and not supposed to salt a few of these vegetables here, a few of these radishes together. Continues the Gemara, third rice. So, Tani Rabbi Yudah Bar Chaviva, Esro Tzunonu Beit, so Esro, the radish and egg, Omalik, the Basan Chaton, if not for the outer hus on these things, Ain on Yasmin Rame Olam, they would never leave the stomach, meaning they'd be weight just too hard in the stomach. They would mess up the intestines. So that's why Hashem created the outer shells as well, which makes it um, that when you eat it, it can be digested. Says the summer person never sink in the Dead Sea, right? The Sea of Stone has so much salt in it, so people never sink in it. Amar Yosef Hafucha stone, stone was turned upside down. Hashem, Hashem turned upside down. Rafucha Mila. And now, what Rav Dimi said about stone is also upside down. It's, it's messed up what he said. He's mashman that what? Only people don't, don't sink in the, in, the, in the Dead Sea. But, but wood would sink. It doesn't make sense. So Amalei Avai, Avai said, Lomi Bai Karma. You're right. He was saying, he was, he was saying it like a Lomi Bai. Lomi Bai Shura. It's not even necessary to talk about a plank of wood. I feel like most of that. A plank of wood doesn't sink any sea in the world. Forget about the Dead Sea. A feel gavra. Rav Dimi's point was that even a person, the Tavachomoshvalam, who would sink generally in other seas in the world, be Yamadisodom, Lo Tava, it would not sink in the Sea of Sodom. Says the Gemara, who cares? Why do we have to know that there's so much salt in the Sea of Sodom? What's the difference? Says the Gemara, Kihad the Ravan, it's like Ravan said, was going behind Rav Yimya, Gudu Yamadisodom, by the bank of the Sea of Sodom. Amalei, he asked Rav Yimya, Malo Mishimanim, could a person wash with this water on Shabbos? So we know that the Rabbanon, said that there's a general isarafua on Shabbos. Again, something that's not life-threatening. You're not allowed to do medical treatments on Shabbos. The reason was it's also mitzvah because it might come to tochen of grinding up the medicines. So you should grind up the herbs so that so anything that, that's an act of, of, of curing, the Rabbanon said is also mitzvah So Rama wanted to know if you could wash with the water of the Dead Sea, which was good for, 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 for different uh, problems with the eye, 
Um, the water from the Dead Sea is good for the eyes. So he wanted to know, could you wash one's eye with it on Shabbos? So he said back, it's okay, because this is not going to lead to token. It's all about what it looks like. So it doesn't look like a person is doing an act of refuah because it looks like he's just washing, washing out his eye, and therefore it's mutter. So he said, what about... What about when, when opening and closing the eye to, and clearly showing that the water is going into the eye? So I'm a Zulu Shamati. I didn't hear about this because, it, in other words, this case is more complicated because it kind of very clearly looks like you're doing an act of Ravua. But Kayosu Shamati heard about something which is similar. Sometimes he said in the name of my Ravua. Both of them in the name of Shmuel's father and Levi, they all said, Chadam or one said, to put wine inside of an eye is usher. Or as you're blinking your eye to let the wine go in, because that's clearly a, a, a medicinal act. Just to put it over the wine, over the eye, mutter, because someone who can just say, as you're not blinking it in, someone can just say that you're using the wine just to wash yourself. Another one said, he said, when it's talking about raw saliva, even to put over the eye, not to blink it in is usher, because raw saliva is only something you would ever use if there was an element to the eye, you would never use it otherwise down to wash. Says the Gemara. So who said what? This time Let's say that it was the father of Shmuel. Because we had two things. One of them was from Levi. One of them was from the father of Shmuel. So the question is, um, the question is, what was the what was the correct? Who said which one? So let's prove that it was Avud Shmuel who said wine inside the eyes also to put it over the eyes is mutter. How do we know that it was the father Shmuel said that? Because Shmuel said Amar Shmuel a person can soak his bread in wine. No and put it over his eye. So Shmuel said it. So how did Shmuel get that a memra? The Shmuelamai would Shmuel hear that for He must have heard it from his father. So we can attribute that memra about the wine to his father, and then the other memra about the Ross alive. It must have been from Levi. So Mar says you think that whatever Shmuel said, he heard from his father. How dumb Shmuel? You know what else Shmuel said? To put Ross alive over the eyes also. Who did he hear from? You said he heard from his father. Then Levi didn't say anything. One of them came from Levi. One Shmuel heard from his father. The other one heard from Levi. So clearly Shmuel got one from his father, got one from his Levi. From Levi. But we don't know. Which one came from his father? Which one came from Levi? But you can't prove just because Shmuel said one of the halachas that that was the one that came from his father because Shmuel said the other halacha as well. So we don't know. So the bottom line is, that's why we got into this with the Dead Sea having a lot of salt, is that it's very good for ailments for the eyes. And that's why we were talking about that you have to be careful how you, um, how you, how you, the ailments of the eyes. And we we're talking about how to do use it on Shabbos. They were saying you can wash, as long as you don't blink it into the eye, you just wash with it, it's okay. But if you, if you blink it, if you blink it inside to the eye, then that's a problem because then it's clearly an act of, of refuah. Says the Gemara, Amar Rokva, Amar Shmuel, Mark was in the name of Shmuel, Shora Adam, Kilorin, Me'er Shabbos. A person can soak Kilorin and water before Shabbos. So this is like, it's a paste that they used to fix eyes with. We don't know exactly what they do, what it was made out of, but they definitely were mixing in some wines and, and waters in it. So you can do the mixing, you can mix it before Shabbos, and then just put it over your eyes and Shabbos. You don't have to be worried that you're doing anything wrong. As long as there are abundant mechai of you to soak the medicine before Shabbos, so no one's going to assume that tochen is mutter, and, um, and also no one who's looking at it is going to assume that it's medicine because it looks like wine. So it's just going to look like Rashi says, like he's washing himself with wine. But uh, it, again, we're only saying that you can splash it over your eye. Now the Gemara qualifies this. He was blinking it into the eye. So I'm said, Kule high, such an extent where not only are you splashing over your eye, but you're blinking it inside. Vadlo Sharmashmu, Mashmu would not have been Matir. Because again, we're saying you can only 
only do it where it does not nicker that it's refuel, like just splashing over the eye, but to open and close and to blink it inside, that would be forbidden because that's clearly something that's being done to refuel. It says the Gemara, Shalach Ravyana, the Maruk Ravyana sent the message to Ravyana, Lishal and Maharani, clear into Rashmul. Send us some of these Clurian recipes from Rashmul. So it's Ashalach Le, Maruk sent back, Shadu Mishnah, I'll send you some of his recipes. So low time I don't want you to say I'm a stingy person. But no, this is what Shmuel said. I'll send you some of the stuff about his clothing. But let me tell you something. You know what else Shmuel said? Tova Just using a drop of cold water in your eyes in the morning and making sure you wash your hands and feet in warm water in the evening. Just doing those habits is better. and from all the people in the world. Meaning like don't get sick, just be healthy. Use the cold water in the morning and then the feet in, in the warm water at night and that will be better than, than ever needing all the curin. But I will also send you some of these recipes of curin if you like. Says the Gemara, Tanya Namiyach, we also seen a bride like this. Amar of Muna Mishum Rabbi Yehuda. Toba tzipa sonoin meshachres or chitzadam reglam ha'avrits. It's better to use a little drip of cold water in the morning. Washing hands and feet in warm water in the, in the evening is bad from all clearing of the world. Ramona used to say, it's a hand that's put to the eye should be cut off. It's not good. Um, it's not good to 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 be touching the eye. It would be better that the hand, you know, you know, was cut 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 off completely. Uh, and this comes from this is all before you've washed your hands, and there's this this evil spirit, there's a ruach ra that will actually cause you to go blind, as we're going to see. Uh, and, th- and therefore, the hand that touches the eye before 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 washing um, should be should be totally cut off. Yeah, uh, yeah, the If it touches the nose, it should be cut off. Yeah, the If it touches the mouth, it should be cut off. Yeah, the If it touches the ear, it should be cut off. Yeah, the If it puts to like um. It was like a boil where there was bloodletting, that bloodletting came off, it should be cut off. Yad la'ama, if it touches uh, the reproductive organ, it should be cut off. Yad la'pita basi cuts, if it touches touches the anus, it also should be cut off. Says the Gemara, Yad la'gigis, if it touches into a barrel where they, where they, where they would keep beer, Rashi says the cuts, it should be cut off. And all these things, there's like all this ruach ra, there's all this ruach ra, so you have to be very careful not to touch anything before you wash your hands. Now the Gemara explains more. Yad misama the eye can cause blindness if it touches the eye. Yad macharesh the hand can cause deafness if it touches the ear. Yad malafulis it could have a fulis if it touches the mouth or the nose. Rashi says it's a bad smell that can come out from the mouth or the nose. Says the Gemara Tanya Rabbi Nasson Omer Baschoranizu this evil spirit like runs around it's totally free of makpades and it's it's makpid achir chazar shalom shabbat until you wash your hands three times it will not go away. Amar Yochanan puch maver basmelach puch. Can make take away damage from the basmelech, which is a, a ruach ra, and this is a certain mask that can go over the eye. And increases hair to be there on the eyelids. Tanya Mihachi rises says like this: This pulch paste takes away the damage from the the, the basmelech evil spirit. And increases hair on the eyelids.